1: Is the piffles podcast thank you so much for joining us i'm alex i'm steve i'm greg and uh we're titling this episode 147 give us 150 million dollars because that seems to be what's going on in sports right now just give us give us some money we'll talk about that in just a second give us a follow on twitter at piffles pod you can follow me at real alex d don't waste your time following me at sapamod
0: one second uh, 150 million does me not have to take a pay cut for this
1: yeah. Yeah. 5%, 10%. I don't know what that is for you.
0: Okay. Well, okay. As long as it's just a little one and you can follow me at Greg on sports.
1: I'm going to do the Roger Goodell thing. And you know what? I'm going to take my salary down to $0 because I'm a good person.
0: Yeah. That's what he is.
1: Instead of donating that, I'm going to keep my money in with the owners and fill their
0: pockets. Yeah, he, <laughs> what, what, what you're going to do is you're actually going to not get paid this year And double your salary next year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. We're brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out on Skip the Dishes. And uh, it's summertime. At least that's what it feels like right now. Get your blizzards. We're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. But let's get things started. Time for the opening kickoff. Right, so obviously the big thing going on in the CFL right now, the CFL has asked the federal government, the liberal government, Justin Trudeau for 100 up to $150 million. Now we've heard a lot of things about, okay, well, where, where'd that number come from? It's two stages. It's $30 million. And then it's another $120 million later, just in case there is no season. First off, what are your guys' take on this?
0: They rolled this out so poorly. The the optics alone are, are what having people freak out because the they see the headline, it's the top of their heads blow off and they, they start screaming about how the gov- uh, federal government shouldn't be getting involved in uh, professional sports.
2: Well, and that's just it. The, the ask isn't really that much. You laid it out really good in your article this morning. I mean, we're talking about ish dollars per Canadian citizen and when we look at the money that the government is going to give out because of this COVID pandemic 150 million is a literal drop in the bucket but you're asking people to accept 150 million dollars for professional sports and the first thing they're going to think of is those million dollar players and the million dollar owners and this this understanding that they don't need money because they're already rich, but that's not the case with the CFL. These are these are fifty and sixty thousand dollar a year guys. I mean, most of us make more than that.
1: Yeah, hands yeah. up if you make more than a CFL player. Yeah, as we all raise our
0: hands. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, but the, also the funny thing is though, three of the teams are community owned anyway. Like there, there's no deep pockets there. So it's it, I I get optics, they suck, but. The CFL has been around for 100 years. And don't go around telling me now that it, it obviously has a terrible business model. No business sets money aside to not open their doors for a year, no matter what they do.
2: Well, that's that's just it. They're And it's not because of their own free will. They're not saying, you know what, we're just going to hold off for the season. They are being forced by law to shut their doors and keep fans away.
1: And is that that's their... Weird. And as we know, the CFL, they don't make money without fans in the stands. So you can't play a game like they're talking about in the NHL and in the, the NBA about having a centralized location. And like it's, they need to have that revenue from ticket sales. And I mean, if there isn't a season, teams are going to have to you know, refund fans, not only for in Saskatchewan, great cup tickets. But uh, season tickets and individual game tickets that were sold or flex packs or whatever were sold already across the league, like that's, that's a lot of money right there that, the, that teams have that they're going to have to give back. So all of a sudden, $150 million
2: isn't really all that much money. And, and then you got to factor in, even if we do get that shortened season, a lot of people have been very, very affected financially by what's gone on over the last two months. People aren't going to have that extra, you know, spending or entertainment money that they're used to. We're going to see, no matter what happens, lower or le- or zero attendance for the remainder of this season.
0: Yeah, I don't see many people going out and buying a $200 jersey this season, just for the simple fact they don't have $200 to spend. So, I don't know. I've seen a lot. I've seen people say, well, the teams can sell merchandise. They can do this. They can do that. That's like telling Pizza Hut to only sell wings instead of selling pizzas. It's just not, <laughs> it's not going to work. And the problem with that
1: is, okay, yeah, you can buy merch, but because people don't have the money that they would from working or can't go out and go to the rider store and spend 500 bucks each time, that the teams are having to, like, I think the riders have 30% off everything right now. And they never have 30% off anything at the Ryder store. Like, okay. they, they just
0: nothing want some new, deals. N- nothing ever's is on sale at the Ryder store unless they're trying to get rid of it because they change brands.
2: And even then, they'll, they'll charge you a full price for a few months.
1: <laughs>
2: All right. To talk
1: more about... million the CFL is asking for, we have Devin Haro of CBC Sports. Devin, thanks for joining us on the Pibbles Podcast.
3: Hey guys, it's great to be joining you. I actually just got in. I was walking around the downtown streets of Toronto. I came across a street tennis game. They had couch cushions along the street. They were volleying back and forth. Then it broke out to a fierce rally. I actually hit a couple of ground strokes. Still have it. So we're all good here in downtown Toronto, but yeah, it's great to be talking to you.
1: Excellent. Well, that's good to hear that uh, people are, are doing that and having a little bit of fun while it's uh, nice out. Um, so the big story this week, at least in the CFL, the CFL, Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, asking the federal government for $150 million, up to $150 million in a couple, couple kind of phases,
3: what, what, what's the whole deal about this, Devin? Well, Alex, I'm, I'm, you know, you kind of articulated what I think part of the problem was for the CFL. This was a bit of a PR disaster, and I, I have been talking to sources very close to this for weeks, ever since my Q and uh, A with the commissioner at the end of March when he said that it would be devastating if they didn't have a season. You know, Randy Ambrosie is so careful with his words; he's a master of PR. I think that's why everybody has liked him so much. He's, you know, glad handing and he gets out front there and he says all the right things. But when he said that it would be devastating, I was shocked. So I knew it was bad, but here's the thing. They didn't want this to roll out the way it did. So you, you start by saying 150 million. Well, it isn't 150 million. It's actually an immediate 30 million right? So if they could have done this properly in the way that they would have wanted to in a more transparent way, it would have been 30 million. When you see 150 million, the horse is out of the barn, everybody's already made up their minds, and you've already lost the game. It it looks ridiculous. Uh, You got to look at the Twitter feed and the banter on social media. It's ugly. We always have known that people love to hate the CFL, and never more has that ever been present than right now. that 150 million just it, it, it blew it for them. It looks ridiculous. It needed to be 30 million and then and then let it evolve. So that to me, that was the biggest issue in the beginning of all of this. And you know we 're talking during the CFL draft, and nobody cares about it because all they can see is 150 million dancing in their head.
0: Now, do you think part of the reason why they thought the 150 like getting the 150 million dollars out there first was so that it didn't look like they were caught with their pants down or is just this is just a PR uh, nightmare from the get-go?
3: Well, I can tell you this and I haven't reported this. So, here's a little bit of a tidbit for the show. Uh the sources I've talked to told me that the CFL actually hired an outside PR firm weeks ago when these asks were being made to lobby provincial governments, to talk to premiers, to talk to officials at all levels, to try and get the goodwill of all political sides on board so that when this was public, they could be united. So of course, that sort of all fell apart. Um, Like I said, I think as soon as is is that figure of 150, I mean, there was some great reporting that was happening and there was some really bad reporting that was happening. And, uh, you know, that's a bigger conversation in the midst of this pandemic. A lot of people are more dialed into what they're reading than ever before in their lives. People are sitting around, they're watching TV, they're scrolling their feeds more than ever. And so when you see this initial 150 million, you can't even wrap your head around it. And we know that people don't read past headlines. They're not going to click on the article. They're not going to see the breakdown of it. I mean, listen, the 30 million, then what? 100 million or 120 and then up to 150 million, like your head starts to spin and then you hear this the, the, the CFL and Ambrosi saying they don't see it as a handout that the, they want to be accountable. They want the players to do do community programs tourism promotion are the rough riders going to be standing in wheat fields saying come to Saskatchewan i mean come on it's a handout call it what it is we all see through that um, but the cfl is doing everything it, it it can and it believes it's a cultural uh, institution in this country and You know, Trudeau gave a little bit of life to it. He didn't shut it down completely, but he used a lot of political jargon to say discussions are ongoing. Does that mean a little chat and it's over? Does it mean long-term discussion? We don't know. Uh, And so we wait. And to that point, there's no timeline. I've been talking to everybody in government, no idea when a decision might be made.
2: Now, obviously, the biggest issue when you start talking about professional sports, getting this kind of handout optics are the biggest problems because people hear professional sports and they think million dollar contracts and billionaire owners that's obviously not the case in the cfl and they're not alone with this ask there are other professional leagues out there asking
3: for money isn't that right that's right steven absolutely i was able to confirm uh you know hours after the cfl made the big ask that the canadian premier league and the canadian elite basketball league were also asking for for money uh, to be clear, because this matters, details matter in all of this. The CPL is asking for uh, 15 million in what they're calling short-term financing. It's a loan. It's it's not a loan. Excuse me. It's a handout. It's they just want the money. They they want to be saved. Uh, the Canadian Elite Basketball League are asking for 5000000 million. They're calling it a loan, so they intend to pay it back. They say it's for just operations, to keep the lights on in the front office. So it's going to set an interesting precedent. We're seeing some great reporting out of Calgary. My colleague from the Canadian press, Donna Spencer, doing a fantastic story, uh, talking about women's sport, um, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, And and we're now learning that they were asking the federal government for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Peanuts is what they said compared to these asks and that they didn't get it from the federal government. And it was literally the difference between the league surviving and now, of course, folding. So it's going to open up a crazy can of worms. This is going to be a discussion that's going to get really inflamed. There's going to be a lot of divisiveness in all of this. I'm not completely sold... On this being a done deal, I think there's there's potential that the CFL actually might get some money, the full extent. I don't think they'll get all of it. But the question I'm digging into, and, and we'll be doing some reporting over the weekend and, and hope to get somewhere on this, is, okay, if the CFL were to not get any of the money they're asking for, what does that actually mean for the future of the league? Could, could we see the end of the CFL? We know... It was, it was uh, put together by duct tape in the mid nineties. They could barely pay the, the teams in the 96 great cup. There have been bad times and it's, it's kind of jarring to realize that this league we love is in this predicament, right? That's the saddest part of all of this to me.
0: Well, American, now, American expansion work last time. Why doesn't it work this time?
3: <laughs> yeah. Bring on <laughs> seven American teams. I mean, not a chance, right? Yeah. I mean, that was it, right? You had, you had that uh, NFL expansion savior. You had Tim Hortons coming to the rescue and, and paying the Eskimos and the Argonauts. And in 96, we know the the checkered past of the Rough Riders in the early nineties and the telethons and the farmers selling grain to keep the team alive. This is, listen, the CFL is like the corner store team, a uh, league of pro sports, right? They've always been there. They've existed. Uh, but they were never getting ahead. They were never making a lot of money. And now, now they've been exposed in a way. I don't think anybody could have wrapped their head around talking to a lot of former players, talking to former outstanding Canadians who were in the league. They were devastated to think that this league that they put on a pedestal was, was on its knees this early in a pandemic. It was shocking to them.
1: Now, Devin, with the pandemic here, um, Obviously, a lot of talk about if there can be a 2020 season, it might be an eight game schedule, it might be 10. We have no idea. Obviously, things just have to kind of play out. Are you hearing anything on on just the availability of, of you know, having one central location or two central locations, maybe Regina and Winnipeg, where, where the numbers aren't so bad for COVID-19? About uh, y'all having this?
3: Yeah, I haven't heard that. uh, But uh, but from the people I've talked to, they seem optimistic that Labor Day would be the logical start to all of this. But again, the CFL can't play without having fans in the park. It just can't happen. So it's a massive leap to get from where we are right now to 33,350 fans packed into mosaic Labor Day weekend against the bombers. Like, I, I, can you see that? Can any of you see that at this point? Not a chance. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so that's when you start looking at those funding models, right? I I mean, when I talk about transparency, it would have been great if the CFL could have presented these numbers and say 30 million is for this. Then a hundred million would be if we have a nine game season without fans this is what and, and break it down for us because that's what I think this means. That if if they got the 100 million, then you could play a nine game season without fans. Worst case scenario, they keep talking about the worst case scenario is that the season wouldn't even go on, and I think that's a situation where there would be no fans allowed in the park. But hey, you guys know how badly I love the Canadian Football League. You know how devoted I am to getting back to Mosaic. I want to be in my seat when it comes to Labor Day. We know that there's so much more uh, about health and safety being the priority, but we love sport. Sport brings us so much joy. It's a collective experience. And if it could happen and if it was right and the health officials made it right, let's play some football. And we, how long have we always said the season starts at Labor Day? Now it would actually be true. <laughs>
2: Now, the question I have to ask, and you did kind of bring it up in your last response there, has there been any kind of understanding on what this money is for? Like, there's has there been anything out about what they need it for other than just, we need this to survive?
3: Not a clue. Not a clue, Stephen. Not at all. And that's a problem, right? I mean, we're all doing, I was horrible at math. I We won't get into that. That's another story. Uh, But we've been crunching some numbers and looking at TV contracts and the salary cap and how much these teams make in in revenue through gate and concession. And I mean, when you start adding up all of those numbers and you look at the financials of the three community-owned teams uh, and realize that anywhere from 45 to 55% of their revenue comes from gate and concession, and you look at the TV deal and the salary cap, you're penny pinching at the at the end of all of that, right? And so if they could be clear about breaking down what front office salaries are, the revenue streams through gate and concession, uh, the private ownership groups, I mean, listen, we know somebody like Bob Young in Hamilton has stepped up in ways I don't think any of us will ever know financially to make Tim Horton's field happen and uh, to to keep the team alive and healthy and Hamilton. I mean, these owners aren't in the business of making millions in the CFL. We know that. And I think the CFL would have done itself a massive favor by spelling out some of those financial line-by-line asks because the guessing games uh, for me are dizzying and annoying and for the rest of the public uh, just completely frustrating and, and a non-starter, right?
0: Well, you you look at the writer's financials. Their their operating budget last year was sixty nine million. The whatever the whatever piece of pie they get out of that one hundred and fifty worst case scenario is still just a drop in the bucket to what they actually need to keep the lights on to go.
3: Exactly. Yeah, I saw you reporting a good write up and a good reality check on that. That was that was important. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Listen, a, a lot of my sources, they won't, they don't like to talk about it, but they are cutting staff day after day from front offices across this league. And so that's the other thing, right? The longer you hold out and try and put together a season, you're bleeding money every day, you're cutting staff, but at the same time, you're trying to ramp up for a season, it just doesn't make sense. So to me, that doomsday of canceling the season is, is much closer than anybody realizes because you can only bleed money for so long in these front offices with a skeleton staff to put together a nine game season before you kind of say, okay, we're at the end of the bridge and we have nowhere to go now.
1: Well, this is going to be a story to, to keep watching over the next little bit. Devin, we, we do have to switch gears really quick. It would be a disservice to everybody to bring you on and not
3: ask you about curling. Any good news on uh, on curling coming up right now? Hey, well, listen, I got a text message from Brad Gushu tonight checking in on me. Can you believe it? What a guy. He knew that I was <laughs> stuck in my house in Toronto. I haven't been this confined to a 400 square foot place alongside my plants in my adult life. And, and, and Goose, you knew that. And, he, and I thought maybe he had a story for me or something. And he said, no, I'm just checking in. So, yes, the curling community is as connected as ever. Um, I mean, a, a wicked amount of changes in March that I was reporting on. You're, I'm going to have to print out a program guide for, for fans when we, when we get back to the ice to find who's on what team. Uh, I did reach out yesterday to the Grand Slam of Curling. Uh, Normally their first event actually takes place in either early to mid September. The first slam of the season isn't scheduled till the end of October this year, perhaps a little bit of foresight on, on, on their being. And so it looks, I mean, who knows what it's going to look like at the end of October, but I've also seen some diagrams uh, surfacing on social media about where curlers would have to stand on the ice to adhere to physical distancing. And I've also seen reports about curling being this game where the screaming and the yelling doesn't doesn't bode very well for the passing of germs. And so who knows? I'm just holding out hope that we are back on the pebble dice at some point. And listen, the world curling has laid out that next year's world championships uh, right about this time next year are going to be massive for Olympic qualifying Uh, We know that the Women's World Curling Championship is in Switzerland and rumors it's not announced yet, but I expect it to be that the Men's World Curling Championship will be held in Ottawa, which is always a good time. They do it uh, at the downtown smaller arena and it's a party. So right now, all is well. Curling isn't asking for money, but they did take a big hit losing the the World Championships that were set to host in BC. Uh, And a lot of curling clubs are, are feeling it big time. So There will be stories coming. You can be sure.
0: On a more personal note, I got to ask, how big is your coffee cup in a pandemic?
3: Uh, You know what? (laughs) I have a lot of big curling mugs that curling fans have made me. I have this massive ceramic handmade one a fan sent me. It, It is literally the size of a cereal bowl. I've eaten cereal out of it. It's dual functional for me. But I've never drank less coffee in my life because when I run out of it in my place, I'm not going out to get it. I seem to be more calm. I seem to be uh, less tweeting with capital letters. I don't know what's going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's my problem. Okay.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly.
2: Yep. Yep. We, we may be a rider podcast, but we are based in Saskatchewan. And I, I heard a rumor that you're writing a story up on, uh, on Grayson Cameron. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. Th- thank you for asking, Stephen. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a story near and dear to my heart. I was actually at the World Curling Championships in Las Vegas when the, when the horrific uh, bus crash happened, uh, April 6th, 2018. And I've been trying to do whatever I can in my small part, being from Saskatchewan, to, to report on that story. And of course, we learned a week ago that Grayson Campbell, the 20-year-old from Olds, Alberta, uh, who broke his back in the crash... Uh, had committed to the Division Three NCAA team of Northland College in Wisconsin. Uh, I saw the report. It was a couple of tweets saying he had committed. I just felt it needed more journalism. Him and I had an hour-long conversation the other day. He told me about his rehabilitation, his resilience, his want to get a psychology degree to become a sports psychologist and help survivors and help people because of what therapists did for him in his mental health journey. I talked to the coach, Seamus Gregory from uh, Harbor Grace, Newfoundland and Labrador, coaches down in Northland. He drove 17 hours one morning, woke up, hopped in his truck, drove from Wisconsin to Humboldt to recruit Grayson, never gave up on him. It's a remarkable story. It's a story I feel we need in the midst of the pandemic about hope, about patience and about never giving up. Uh, so you can read it on CBC sports, uh, on, on Friday. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, this is a beautiful thing about what I get to do when I think I'm having a bad day or when I'm down and out, I get to talk to people who have it a lot worse than I do. And it has always given me perspective. I think I took that for granted for a long time, but, uh, boy, it was, it was so impactful to talk to this 20 year old kid who, um, who had a real, uh, just never give up attitude and it reminded me because I've been struggling in the midst of all of this and in isolation and and missing sport and missing people and and the joy that I get in my job to connect with somebody like that and so uh not to get too sentimental but it's been a blessing and continues to be a blessing to do this work and and of course I'm in Toronto but my heart is always in Saskatchewan.
1: Great stuff, Devin. Thank you so much for joining us here. And uh, we'll let you get back to it. As we, as we know the CFL draft is going on and uh,
3: you got more stories to write. Such a pleasure guys. Take care. Keep doing great work.
1: There was Devin Hero of CBC sports here on the piffles podcast, uh, giving us a, a lot more information on this $150 million and what's going to happen with the CFL. And, and I mean, I'm as hopeful as anybody else. I really, really want there to be a season. I hope I'm wrong when I say there won't be a season because I know how devastating that is, not just to, to fans, but just the league overall. It's, uh, I mean, we're all kind of stuck in this day-by-day situation, and that's that's all we can really kind of do is take everything day-by-day, day and hopefully it improves, and we can get some sort of season in this year.
0: But even even a shortened season is not good for the league, and that's why they need this money, and they're still going to return uh, and even if they can't get fans in the stadium, they're still going to have to be take money returned. It, this is a disaster for everybody. It doesn't matter if professional sports or not. this is not good
1: well, and their and their business, just like all the other businesses that are asking for money too, right? Like I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's a pro sports, but they are a business, and if another business is able to apply for for money, why not the cFL?
0: They pay their taxes just like everybody else. Oh, I should do that. <laughs> oh, oh! When was that again?
1: Good thing Justin doesn't listen to us, or does
0: he? Well, oh, there is this one thing from Ottawa. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, that's going to be uh, something to monitor here in the next little bit. This is going to be an abbreviated episode of the Piffles Podcast because, well, I mean, the CFL Draft. Spoiler alert: While we're recording this, the CFL Draft—it's just getting started. And uh, we'll actually recap what the Riders do on the next episode of the Piffles podcast. But before we do go, just want to mention what the Riders do actually have for picks in the CFL draft round one, seventh overall round two, no pick sent to Montreal in the Patrick Lavoie, Philip Blake trade. I think that worked out. Worked that worked out. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Round three, forfeited pick in the supplemental draft, getting Jake Bennett, who is uh, you know, a potential starting center for us after Dan Clark is, his career is done, so, I mean, can't argue with uh, with that kind of pick. They have two fourth-round picks. They have Toronto's pick from the Zach Caleros trade. Yeah, Zach Caleros was a, was a Toronto Argonaut.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That was a thing. Never played for them. The old and Kevin, he, he, the old Kevin Glenn.
2: Did?
0: Oh, yeah, he did. Sorry, he played for them years ago. He didn't completely get Kevin Glenn.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, they have their fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth pick. But we will discuss all of that later on on the next episode of the Pills Podcast. Gentlemen, are you, you guys are doing good? Everything's everything's good on your end. I just want to get outside.
2: That's that's really it for me.
0: This is the best you've get- ever. This is the best you've ever looked, Steve.
2: I know it's great. I'm on audio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to get inside. I'm tired of being outside all the time. Tradesies. Sure. Yeah. Why not?
0: I, I will trade you my daily drive, guys.
2: You had nobody to blame yourself on that one. You took the job. That is true. <laughs> you're whining. You're still employed.
0: Yeah, essential service. It has its pluses and its minuses. All right. Well, you
2: guys
1: take care. And uh, gentlemen, I know we're on Zoom right now. And uh, I can see you guys. Good seeing you guys again. I wish uh, pretty soon, maybe we can make a, a, one of our houses one of the two places that we can actually go in the in the future. And we can all have a Churchill Brewing Company uh, beverage. Cheers each other. Well, socially distantly from yeah,
0: uh, six, six feet, feet apart. Yeah.
1: Hopefully we can <laughs> do that. Hopefully we can do that sometime pretty soon. But that's gonna do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash Piffles You can follow us on Twitter at pifflespod. We're on Instagram. Just search Piffles Pod and, of course, the website, pifflespodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festian of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support to make this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN The Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. We got some Tyler Gilbert for you. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind.